Brilliant. How's everyone doing? Is everyone good? Fantastic, fantastic. Um, sorry, Dave, can you put some bass on our voice? Sorry, it sounds a bit tinny. Um, awesome. <laughs> Gosh, you guys ready for today? Um, gosh, it's going to be one of those ones. Um, welcome to Dan and your friends. All the way down. Is this too loud? Is that, is that okay? Okay, cool. Um, welcome to you guys from Bracknell. Uh, wh what's your names? Hope and Adam. I mean, that's biblical. So <laughs> let's give them a round of applause. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, I've done some investing in, and yeah, look forward to seeing God doing amazing things in your guys' lives. Eh? Um, if it's your first time here, welcome. Um, as you know, we've been doing a series through uh, sexuality, sex, um, gender, everything that you know helps you grow a church in this modern day age. And so what, what I felt today, though, was to, to look at some stuff. But I just before I started, I just wanted to say, I mean, at that Christmas party, what a privilege and an honor it was. Uh, to see what God's building in this church, yeah. but also yeah. to see the, the values of this church are being lived out. You know, the whole thing about being real, radical, relational, the whole vision of the church, seeing, is that getting some feedback? Um, Tim or someone, if, awesome. Is w one of the things about being real, radical, relational is seeing people loving each other, being real and authentic, but also being relational. And last night, just having some fun together, having a good time, a good evening where we could actually celebrate each other and just let our hair down a bit and have a laugh at each other as well and dance and eat food and the things that we were created to do in community. And I, I just, I'm so proud of you guys. And I can't tell you the honor and the privilege it is to lead this church and be part of this church and call this church my home because... You know, I always wanted to be part of a church I actually wanted to attend, a church that I wanted to, because I went like I got bored um, in church life. But being part of this church, you guys keep us on our toes, and it's just such a privilege and such an honor. And, you know, seeing the journeys that some of you have been on, it is absolutely incredible, and it's an absolute privilege. And also seeing the integrity of relationship lived out over many years, because so often we make the church an institution, and when people make that accusation, I ask them where their heart is. But when you look at this, we are a family before we are an institution. We are a family before we are a ministry. We are a family before anything else. And that is vitally, vitally important. So can you turn that speaker away from me? Because it's getting feedback. Um, yeah. Is that better? Yeah, very, very loud. Oh, my goodness. So um, being a family is a privilege and an honor with you guys. And can I encourage you this next year? We're going to see the greatest growth this church has ever seen and the greatest story being written, and it's going to require every single one of you laying down your lives. Because this church isn't about you. <laughs> it's about Him. Yeah. Before any person in this room about you like the worship or you didn't like the worship, I actually don't care. <laughs> Worship's not about you last time I checked. You like the preaching, you didn't like the preaching, I don't care. Is your life changing? Come on. Because here's the deal, so often people come to me, oh, that was a great message. I'm like, don't tell me it's a great message. Live it out. <laughs> become it. You know, because so often we can sit and become spectators in church life rather than participate and say, this is my family. This is my family. That means I own it. I want to be a part of it. I want to lay down my life for it. And Christianity doesn't just stop when the church service ends. That's when it just begins. 
We should be looking at our lives and saying, wow, we were made for so much more than just a Sunday service, so much more than just a life group meeting, so much more than meetings for heaven's sake. We were made to live in authentic community where you're up till 12 o'clock on a Sunday night at someone's house in this church, where you're up till all kinds of crazy hours because you guys are crazy, you young people. But my goodness, that is what community is about, where you don't have to make an appointment in someone's diary to drop into their house, where you have an open house policy. That's not how we do it in our lives. Well, repent. Open your lives. Open your hearts. Because we are not living a closed-off Christianity where we just come on a Sunday, raise our hands, walk off, and live our lives how we want. We want to be a part of each other's lives. And when hoop hits the fan, we actually turn to one another. And we don't try hard behind a fig bush, but we actually say, here I am, I need some help. You know, in our life group, I'm part of this church as much as, you know, people think, oh, you just leave the church. No, this is my family where I can be real too. Wednesday, they ask me how I am. I say, I'm stressed and tired. Come on. And my life group, I, I love my life group because the guys, they're just awesome. And they started talking about the most, contra not controversial, the most theological talk of the century was on Wednesday night. But it refreshed me. Being with the saints, being with the brothers. Amen. So anyway, that's not what I'm preaching on. But I just thought I'd, I'd kick off like that because I tell you our heart is for that. And if you're new to this church, that's what we're about. Amen. So today we've got a good one for you guys. Uh, sex. Mm. Number one. <laughs> well, you have a baby already, so you know we've do you've done it once. But here's because <laughs> we only believe in sex for procreation, so um, you know <laughs> we don't want sin. Uh, but anyway, just kidding. If you knew, uh, <laughs> sex is good. Is my title today? Amen. Come on, who's? <laughs> Who's been in a service where sex has actually been talked about in openness on a Sunday, not a youth service? People? Come on, there was one person. Oh my goodness, this is, this is worrying. Okay, as you know, you might be sitting there saying, Dylan, why are you talking about sex on a Sunday morning um, in a cinema? Here's why. Because every single day, someone is talking to you about sex. Every single day. And my problem is when people are like, oh, don't talk about that on a Sunday. Don't talk about that around the kids. Don't talk about that around there. You're making the assumption that people aren't talking about sex every single time you turn on Netflix, every single time you turn on Amazon Prime. Guess what they're shoving down your throat? A view, a theology on sex. And what they're telling you is sex is just the physical or sex is just what you can get. Sex is just this, it is bad, it is dirty, it is just whatever you want it to be. And what I'm saying is God actually has something to say about sex. Come on. The first commandment in the Bible was not don't do something, it was do something. The very first commandment was Genesis 1.27, be fruitful and multiply. Means have lots of sex. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know what I didn't know about getting married? Uh, just to warn you. If you're British and you struggle with sex being talked about, welcome. <laughs> but here's the deal. If you're wearing glasses, you might need a wipe to wipe them down because it's going to get steamy today. Just to warn you, I've, I've thrown out all disclaimers here. It's going to get real. But when I, you know, sex isn't just about having babies. And that's going to be one of my main points today. 
is sometimes in religious settings, what's happened through our church history is sex became the thing that you don't talk about or became a dirty thing. So in AD 325, up to that point, sex was healthily talked about, discussed. It was openly talked about in Paul's letters. There's a whole book in the Bible about sex, which we're going to talk about today. And throughout history, there was this kind of shifting in the church where people started getting infected with a thing called Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism was a teaching that taught that the spiritual, which is the unseen, your soul and your spirit is holy, but your physical is unholy. So they taught a form of what's called dualism, which means there are two parts to your life, the sacred and the secular, the pure and the unpure. You look at your spirit being is holy, but anything of the flesh is unholy. And that infected the church. So by AD 440, when Leo the Great came in as a pope, he said, all you priests cannot marry. Because if you're going to be holy and super holy to God, then you cannot be sleeping with someone. So they commanded celibacy in order to go into a certain level of service to God. And what happened is, you look at the Catholic Church, you can't get married as a priest. Do you know that that was, (laughs) how many people I meet, they're like, you can't be a priest. I'm like, oh, okay, first I'm not a priest, but, well, I'm a priest, a royal priest, just as much as every one of you are. But um, they're like, you married. I'm like, yeah, pastors have sex too. <laughs> it's good. Come on. <laughs> oh, my goodness, you guys, your faces, it's going to get there. Oh, man, this is just the intro. Come on, you guys are going to get ready. Um, but as you know, is that this shift came in throughout the centuries And I I think that we need to get back to a healthy place of sexuality and being able to talk about these things and say it's good. So today I'm going to be looking at Song of Songs, chapter 4. This is a book in the Bible that was all about sex. And you know what happened? The church took it and they started saying, oh, it's an allegory, meaning it's a story about God's love for the church. Can I just encourage you? Go home, read the book of Song of Songs after we've read this chapter today. If you're single, make sure you have a cold shower afterwards because, my goodness, it gets heated. I read it to Anna once. If you're married, get ready. Um, because the book of the Song of Songs, you try to read through that book and tell me that's God's love for the church. It's weird. You've got to do some theological acrobatics to get through that. Come on. What we've robbed the church of is a healthy discussion about this. So that's what I'm going to try and do today. And forgive my humor, I am South African, but also I'm a disciple of Jesus on a journey. So if I cross any lines, forgive me. Um, but yeah, I'll try not to. Not. Uh, <laughs> come on, it's too late. But here, here, here's a, a powerful thing just to think about. We were sexual before we were sinful. Sex was created before the fall of mankind. Can, can I just make a point here quickly? That God could have made it not pleasurable. But he designed it so that we could have pleasure in the act of having sex as a gift. If you're a non-Christian here today, you should be praising Jesus by the end of the service. Because let me ask you a question. If, you know, here's the God, the creator of the universe. He looks down at mankind and he says, hey, I'm not just going to create this as like a functional thing. I'm going to actually give them the greatest pleasure of on, on this planet is having sex with someone is actually a beautiful thing. 
and we need to redeem it and bring it back and say this was God's plan. It wasn't the world's plan. And we, the more we say, oh, it's dirty and that, the more we rob the church of their in genuine inheritance. Amen. So, Song of Songs, chapter 4, we're going to jump in here. Just so you know, Orthodox Jewish males to this day can't read this book until the age of 30. That's how hectic it gets. Um, so, it's quite interesting. One of the guys, Oregon, a theologian, he had to castrate himself before he read the book of Song of Songs. Any committed followers? <laughs> My goodness, I'm not going that far. But can I just make a point? When you read the book, remember, this is not a chronological snapshot. This, these are snapshots of a couple's courtship and marriage and intimacy in those, not necessarily in chronological order. So don't go and read this and think, oh, I'm just going to do that in my courtship or that in my, you know. Just remember, this is a picture, a poem, looking at celebrating the love between a man and a woman. Amen. So Song of Songs chapter 4, it says this. Buckle your seatbelts. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Now, this is the line. Guys, listen to this if you're trying to woo a woman. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Now, this, this is literally probably my favorite verse in the Bible. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. Matt, have you tried that line? <laughs> Coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. And not one of them is alone. Just, just a second. The guy's saying she has all her teeth, praise God. That's a good start. I mean, in those days, they didn't have dental plans. That was a very good thing. So he's like, she's got all her teeth. How beautiful you are, my darling. None of them is missing. Verse 3. Your, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temple behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. If you don't know what that is, don't worry. Your neck is like the Tower of David built with elegance. <laughs> On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Can you see this guy's got game? Come on. One of my other favorite lines in the Bible. Your two breasts are like two fawns. Like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. He's admiring her breasts. How beautiful they are. I can see you guys getting uncomfortable. Brilliant. This is the Bible. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountains of myrrh, to the hill of incense. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Who knows that love blinds you <laughs> to imperfections. Marriage awakens you. Everyone's like, oh, lovey-dovey. Then you get real. Come on. You start making babies. You, go, you get through it. But here's the deal. Love still attracts you through all the things that in life should separate you. Love conquers them all. And that's what they're celebrating here. Amen. It says this in verse 10. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine, than the fragrance of perfume, than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as a honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. How does he know that? Kissing. Can you believe it? The fragrance of garments is like that of Lebanon. Now, this is a very interesting verse, verse 12. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. That's talking about, that was a euphemism in 
for a woman's sexuality. Come on. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates, choice fruits. You might be thinking, Dylan, how does this relate to us? He's using game. He's using language in order to pursue and prepare and go into this place of intimacy and sex, not just from a rushing in, but an actual romantic side. A lot of men could benefit from this. Sex isn't just about the physical. It's also about the emotional. Come on. Verse 16, you are a garden fountain, a water streaming down from Lebanon and verse 16 it says let my lover come into his garden and taste his choice fruit what's he talking about <laughs> Brad what's that mean <laughs> as you can see all kinds of sexuality is part of the gospel here's a healthy view of sex that actually, it's about wooing, it's about pleasure. There's foreplay in the Bible. Come on. We could be, everyone's gone quiet in here. Foreplay is biblical. Because why? There's a warming up that needs to happen in the sexual intimacy. Ladies, true? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Men, we just like an a, a iron that heats up instantly. We don't need any kind of warming up. Ladies, take a bit of time. It's part, I learned that in marriage. It takes time. But here's the deal. is part of the biblical narrative is us preparing our lives, preparing our hearts in a healthy view here where we actually learn to romance one another rather than just act like it just is an instant thing. I get what I want. Because you know what pornography has done to this generation? It's taken all of this away. Come on. It's taken all of this away because it just gives a guy what he wants without having to work for it. And what this is doing is redeeming that and saying, hey, there's so much more. Here's a, a very interesting verse five, it says, chapter five. It says, I've come into my garden. I've gathered my myrrh with my spice. I've eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I've drunk my wine and my milk. Eat, O oh friends, and drink. Drink your fill, O oh lovers. Amazing. I don't know about you, but when you read that, you think, wait, who are the friends here? Because here's the thing is in your Bible, it might say friends above there. That's not in the original Greek. And I'd argue very strongly, I hope it's not the friends watching because that's just weird. What I think it's more accurately depicting is God himself singing over this couple saying, hey, enjoy your sex, enjoy your intimacy because I created and gave it to you. That's foreign to the concept of God that I grew up with. And kind of even in church life, I didn't think God would be involved in this thing of this can be an act of worship to God. Yeah. I want to worship more. Amen. Come on. Why wouldn't we? Because sex is a gift from God in marriage to be celebrated and not just something that we put to aside and say, oh, I'm not going to talk about that. Amen. So <laughs> are you guys okay? Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. I'm going to keep going. Number one, sex is about pleasure, not just procreation. I've already mentioned that. I, I just want you to take a moment to consider God designed the orgasm. Did I just say that in church? Yes. Here's the deal. God designed it because he wanted to bless his people with it. You might be sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, is he serious? Yes, because here's the deal. God actually designed your body in the way it is. And some of you, if you're single here today, or even if you're married, or even if you are sitting there like, I, I, I don't know, I've just got such a sex drive, I almost feel guilty for having it. I want you to take that shame off 
and say, actually, it's a gift from God. What the enemy tries to corrupt, God designed as a gift. And every single one of you will have a different drive inside of you. And I want to remove the stigma about this stuff and say, actually, God designed it. And the guys in this room, you might think, it's not possible to keep myself from marriage. Let me tell you, it is. You know why? Because I made it. As an Irish young man from South Africa. It was hard. But here's the deal. Is I had mentors in my life. A 28-year-old who got married as a virgin. And I thought, it can be done. It is possible. But some of you will be on different journeys. And you'll be, and I'm going to come to you a bit later. And you might be like, Dylan, I've given away my virginity. What do I do now? What, is, is there no hope? Or, you know, how does it work? I want to encourage you and say, actually... From today, start a new journey, a new yeah. chapter in your life. Because here's the deal. I believe in redemption, yeah. Yeah. that God can redeem. And yeah, I'll, let me go into this later because it's going to get a little bit uh, hair-raising. But uh, number two is the community was involved in their courtship, in their journey. And we'll talk about this more. Is dating and you know, journeying with someone or getting into a marriage relationship. It's not just about doing it on your own. It's about a journey together of having people around you to speak into your life. Can I encourage you, if you're married, to get people to speak into your sex life? Come on. When was the last time you just sat down with a couple and got real like, hey, guys, speak into, uh, you know, we, we need some help, whatever it is. Getting a healthy view of sexuality. It's a good thing. It has no shame attached to it. Amen. Number three, it's emotional and physical nature. Nature, And as I said before, men and women are different in their sexuality. And it's a beautiful thing. There's a complementary nature in how your bodies bond and how you connect. And we've got to be okay with that. I know that the wooing is important. The romance is important. The writing of letters is important. I actually have to write it in my diary not to forget. Why? Because I'm a man. It's important. Come on. Number four, oh, yeah. I'll leave that one out. It's just going to get too hair raising. <laughs> yeah, number four, marriages create safety for intimacy. You know, here, here's the deal. If he's not willing to commit, why well, let him in? I, I know this is going to be a little controversial, but, but here's the deal is marriage is a, is a place where we protect this beautiful thing of sex. And the further we take it outside of marriage, the more damage we see in our society. And I ask you the question, and, and I, this is not from a place of condemnation, because I know that you're all on different journeys here. But my, my question to you is, why would we put one of the most powerful things in the world, the greatest gifts God has given to us, and not put it in a healthy, safe place? Because here's the deal, is... Rivers are a great blessing to society. They provide society with water, with nourishment, and with life. But when a river crosses its riverbanks, damage is done. When flooding comes, you see damage across cities, damage across countries. And what I ask the question is, how much more with sex? That marriage comes in as a riverbanks to contain and guard this great gift that God's given us so that we don't see the damage and death and destruction that comes from it overflowing its riverbanks. And a lot of people that I meet and I talk to about this and even disagree with me on this, I say this to her. I say, what would you want for your daughter? What would you want for your child? 
That's what I want. I think there's something beautiful about this. Because waiting can be seen as weak in our culture. I had some friends who said, uh, they're talking about virgins. And they said, what is this? I was sitting at the table. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, I'll carry on. <laughs> you know, the conversation goes. They said, because what in their minds they think, because you haven't had sex, therefore you couldn't have sex. Here's the deal. I think in this modern age, anyone can have sex if they want to. I mean, Tinder, swipe, which way? Right. <laughs> swipe right. T Tinder, hookup apps, all these kinds of things, even this thing called 2D sex. Who's heard of 2D sex? I, I, did, I literally did not know what this was until this week in preparation. I was like, opposite of 3D sex? I, what, what, what is that? I mean, how, how does that work? Did you know, this, this will get you parents if you think the world hasn't changed, that so 2D sex is falling in love with an anime character and marrying them. Well, you have sex with your character. And what they're doing now in society, like I said, it's going to get raunchy. I'm just going to be real with you. In society today, they're creating dolls so people can have sex with them with AI technology put into them to give the man and say the man exactly what they want to hear in order to sleep with them. And I ask you the question, why aren't we speaking into this? Because here's the deal. 12% in the study of young people reported sometimes or often falling in love with an anime or video game character. What could be causing this trend? I, I, I was honestly shocked. The more I looked into this, I thought one, one young guy spent $17,000 on his wedding to his character. And he gets home and I do this interview with him and he's got the character, you know, like a hologram thing, speaking to him and saying exactly what he wants to say. You think that's crazy? Look at the metaverse. Look what's happening in our world today. And if you're older and the older generation, you might be, even if you're in your 20s, you're old now, you got to look back and say, our children are going to grow up in this world. And unless we have a healthy view on sex and sexuality, we're in big trouble. And we need to get back to the Bible. Because yeah. falling in love with a, this guy, I mean, it's Japan, it took off. And now it's spread across all over the place. And they're doing legal marriages to these characters. Come on. Someone needs to say something and actually get redemption in society. Amen. So here's the deal. Is <laughs> why is this happening? Why are we seeing such a, a degradation in society? And you might be sitting there and saying, Dylan, it sounds like, you know, the church I've grown up with is this being saying, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. It's kind of like we don't explain the why. Here's the why. Because there is such a value in keeping yourself for someone so that you can say, I remember someone saying to me, on my wedding night, I could say to my wife, I kept myself for you. What an honor that I haven't given this to anyone else but you. You are the one person. And like I said before, if you have given yourself already, I encourage you to come to a place of saying, Lord, I'm sorry, a true place of repentance. Leave the shame, leave the guilt. And walk in that and say, from this day forth, when you get to your wedding night, you can say, I kept myself for you from the day that I learned about this. I decided this was what I wanted to give you for the rest of my life. 
And that to me is even more beautiful in one sense because it's saying, hey, there's redemption in my story. Free from all her guilt, free from all her shame, that there's this healing power that comes. And I know that, as you know, the hymen gland blood is shed generally on the first night. It's messy. With Every covenant was put into effect with blood. I know it doesn't always happen, but I've heard of stories where ladies have decided to keep themselves from that day forth of hearing a message to Atlas and they bled again on their wedding night. Yeah. I want to say that's the redemptive heart of God. Yeah. And I believe in that. I believe in healing and restoration. But there are three things that I think, guys, you need to wrestle with. I've said before, I'll speak to the ladies in the house tonight, today, and say, Things to guard ourselves, guards as well. These relate to both sides. But I want us to be, protect ourselves and protect each other. Is number one, the things that cause us to run into sex or run into adultery, run into all kinds of unhealthy places. Number one is insecurity. So many people get insecure and they become a target to be manipulated in the sexual sphere. And I want to encourage you that when you are secure and you know who you are, you don't need to be manipulated by this but you can see the joy of it. Amen? Um, ladies, can I just say, oh man, this is going to be a revelation to some of you. Just because he says he loves you, he doesn't. Say, saying I love you is one thing, but actually loving and waiting is another. And here's what I'm going to say, is in a guy's locker room, if you heard how you were talked about sometimes, you would be absolutely shocked. Seriously. And I, I, I'm so, so tired of, of, of seeing people hurt by this, but guys in a locker room are dirty. I'm saying this as a general, generalization, but it's important for you to know. And Anna, sometimes me and her talk about this and say, look, you don't know how guys think. Guys think very differently. You know, I, I remember when, when we were dating, like, he just wants to be my close friend. <laughs> nah, <laughs> that's not happening. You know, any guys in the room know what I'm talking about. He, he's just my best friend. Nah, that's not happening. How many men that are married want your wife to have a best friend of the opposite sex? <laughs> All the guys like shake their head, no. Why? Because you should be their best friend. Come on. So this whole idea that, oh, is this my best friend? And they, no, 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 no. I guarantee there's an attraction formed somewhere in that relationship. That's how guys think. Why? Because we're physical beings. We, attraction comes and goes. But we need to remember this thing, that we need to protect each other and build a healthy culture. True life, church, I can't wait till we own a gym one day and the locker room is redeemed. Yeah. Where suddenly we're talking about, hey, how do we love our wives better? Guys, like that's so boring. Yeah, <laughs> border flowers, mate. Um, how do we? How do we? Uh, you know, imagine if we actually redeem these places where they've been used for evil, that we can redeem for good. That's what I want to see. Where we have men in this church rising up to set a new standard. Come on, security is attractive. When uh, uh, when you know someone who knows who they are, they secure in who they are. There's an attraction that comes from that. Proverbs 31, 30, it says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Yeah. Number two, intimacy. If I need to sleep with him to keep him, not worth keeping. Come on. 
that kind of mindset of I need to sleep with someone to keep them dangerous. Dangerous. What you want is someone who's secure in who they are because what happens in healthy relationships, two healthy people come together and add to one another. It's not trying to fulfill a void in one another. Amen. Come on. Number three is your identity is knowing your worth and your value. 1 Peter 3 verse 3 to 4, ladies, it says your beauty, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair or gold jewelry, but instead it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. How different is that? Your beauty should not come from this outward stuff, but it should be an inner part that is attractive, that men in the church, your attraction should be different to the men of this world. Because you should be looking at something inside someone, not just on the outside. Come on. Because guess what? One day you're going to wake up and there's not going to be makeup on. (laughs) Did you hear about the guy in Algeria who woke up and he, he divorced his wife on the first day and sued her? For lying to him. Because all the makeup came off and he didn't like what he saw. Genuine. <laughs> I, I don't know if he won. <laughs> Even if he won, he lost. <laughs> all the women in that day. <laughs> Come on. We need a healthy identity. Not in an unhealthy entitlement way of, hey, I'm just so, so beautiful inside. You must just love me as I am. Please take care of yourself as well. You know, we, we don't want this unhealthy culture coming in. Like men in the room, I encourage you to take care of yourself. Yeah. I've said it before. Have two eyebrows. Pluck those eyebrows. Make sure when you go on a date, have, make an effort. Shave a bit. You know, it, it actually makes a difference. So we're not against attraction, but the true beauty of the soul should be that which is celebrated more than just the external, but also the internal. Amen. Come on. Oh, you guys okay? Okay, I'm going to conclude here. Um, Sex in your life, as I've spoken on this, you might be actually in a lot of pain right now. In the sense of, you might have had sex used as a weapon against you. You might have had trauma in this area. And can, can I just say this also? You might have caused trauma in this area. Without even knowing it, or maybe you do know it. And I, I, want to, I want to see redemption on both sides here. Because actually, in your life, I want us to get to a, back to a place of this is an act of worship to God. That every part of our lives, because I guarantee you, a lot of you sitting here that have been married for years, you'll be sitting there and thinking, man, surely you can't, you know, like, I, I've never thought of God and my sex life kind of being linked. I've always thought of, you know, we, we go do that sex thing, like hide from the Lord. And then, you know, we, we, we carry on with our Christianity. But, you know, with, with Anna and I, a few years ago, we had this revelation about, actually, this is an act of worship unto God. And I want to worship well. I want it to be an act where we celebrate it. We don't just tolerate it. Where we say, hey, let's have, you know, do, do you not want to know a good statistic? Christians have more sex than anyone else. Come on. Being married to one person, you are going to have more sex, statistically, than anyone else. You think, oh, but what about the Tinder people? They just run around. That's like once a week. 
you might think, oh, I have a friend. Yeah, everyone has a friend. Here's the deal. Is as a Christian, getting married and being with one person long term is going to be the best investment into your sex life than anything else. Come on. As a young single man, that convinced me. I'm following this Lord to the end of the days. And I thought, Lord, if I have to give, it, give up a bit of you know, pleasure in the interim in order to keep myself for my wife, that is going to be worth it because I know it's an investment into eternity. Amen. Come on. So I, I think your experiences may be different. Worship team, can you guys please come up? Um, you, you might have had uh, all kinds of things happen to you. And, and I just feel like there's a time of healing and restoration in the worship now. I just want us to, to sing a song. I'd like to pray over you. And actually say, the Lord wants to restore a healthy view. And I know for some of you, in your minds, like they're taking over. And you're like, Dylan, this is not a kind of message I would normally hear. Can I encourage you to read the book of the Song of Songs? Go and read it. And see God's heart for His people. And if, if you're sitting there like, oh man, um, I just don't feel comfortable with this. I, I, can I just push back a little bit? Can I just push back and say, Why? Why? If you don't feel comfortable with it, I can almost guarantee you've either grown up in quite a conservative home or a home where mom and dad are scared to talk about these things, which I, I feel for a lot of parents. But I want to encourage us, as if you are a parent, don't shy away from these conversations. Because what we're doing is we're saying to our children, hey, this is, this is dirty. This is not good. And if your parents have never spoken to you about this, ask them on the way home. You know, you know why? Because there's a lot more wisdom than you realize locked up in an older generation. And we're going to see a great redemption in this area in our church. Um, come on. Can you guys, can you, Anna, can you stop? Um, but here's, here's the thing is, it's not too loud. We always get this around. Is... We are going to see the greatest restoration in the city where women feel safe, where women feel loved and cherished, where men are secure in who they are. They're walking in their destiny to lead and initiate, like I said before, laying down their lives for their wives, being a healthy head in the home, the things that we fight for in this church, and I keep saying is actually, we need to see a generation raised up. And ladies in this room, I know that some of you will be sitting there like, and I've, I've literally chatted to um, some single people in the past, and like, yo, I really wanna have sex. And the amount of guilt that they carry on in that area, I say, look, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's not bad having a sex drive. What the, the where, where it becomes a bad thing is when we make it a God thing. And we make that which was a gift, God, and then we end up with an idol, and we're trying to find our pleasure in an idol which will never fulfill us. Because here's the deal, is the corruption caused by porno, pornography in so many people's hearts here is actually, it corrupts the whole view of sex, that we see it for not what it is, it's what we can get rather than what we can give. And you have, there's a grace. The Bible says, no temptation is seized you except what is common to man. What's common to man? Sexual temptation. And it says, but he will always provide a way out. He'll always provide enough grace. 
And if you're married and you've been married a number of years, I really want to encourage you, spouse it up. Seriously. Because some, sometimes you can get into a rut. We, we'll be real. Like, try something new. Get the chocolate out. Come on. Nothing. Get it spiced up. Enjoy your sexuality. Don't see it as a thing of shame, but see it as a place to explore. And read the Song of Songs. See how they pursued, how they laid down their lives for one another. Look at that. As couples, we can learn from the Scripture. But don't get into a rut. Because you might be sitting there like, oh, this is for the young people. No, this is for you too. Get the romance back. Because marriages are on the line here in this area. It's time we fight for them again. Amen. Come on. Guys, can we stand? I'd like to really pray, spend some time in prayer. So I wonder if we could just pray for... Um, I wonder if you just... Let's just close our eyes. Let's just close our eyes. Holy Spirit, I just pray you come and reveal. Reveal yourself to individuals today where people have allowed sex to be stolen by the devil, I pray for a redemption right now. I pray where there's an unhealthy view of sexuality in our hearts, we pray for a freedom now. I pray, Lord, in every single individual now that they would see that sex is a good gift from you, that we were sexual before we were sinful. And Lord, I pray where there's brokenness, where there's hurt and there's pain in this area, that you would come and you would heal and restore right now, Lord. I pray where there's been abuse in this area, I pray you'd reveal and restore right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, break every stronghold over lives now. In marriages that have got stagnant, we pray for freedom and joy to fill the bedroom again. We pray, Father, where people are single and pursuing and trying to keep themselves. I pray for strength and encouragement now. But also, Lord, I pray for spouses, for the singles in this church that want to get married. I pray, Lord Jesus, that there'd be godly men and women, that the spouses would be found for these guys. I pray for a blessing upon the future marriages in this church. But I pray the decisions today would determine and affect the marriages of tomorrow. I pray, Father, for redemptive, redemptive stories now. And those that find themselves in a place of guilt and shame, we remove that right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, every scheme of the enemy, the voice in people's minds, they're judging me, they're thinking of me, they're not. It's the enemy accusing you. Break it in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, for freedom and authority over hearts now. Where women have been rated in this church, where they've heard men rating them and berating them, we break that stronghold right now. One out of ten, two out of ten, ten out of ten in Jesus' name. We break the authority of men's words over women's lives. We pray, Father, for redemption, and we pray we break the authority of women's words over men's lives. And we pray, let men rise up where there's just that voice saying you're not good enough you can never do this you can never overcome this addiction we break that in Jesus' name holy spirit just come and do what only you can do father thank you that you're restoring right now restoring right now jesus um yeah 
Friday we had leaders meeting um, and we were just busy praying and worshiping and we kind of formed like a, a circle in Dylan Anna's lounge and Maya Grace was in the middle <laughs> on the floor and she, as you've seen, she just wants to like go wild and crawl everywhere and cause havoc. Um, but she was so safe in the circle, like there was literally a person kind of stopping her from going to eat the coal in the fireplace or going to do something else hazardous um, and she was so safe and I just felt a picture this is a picture of the church um, we want you guys to feel safe we want you to run to the church when you have a problem we want you to run here if you have an addiction if you have a really a horrible story that you need to walk through um, just come to the church we want we don't want to hide from your stuff there's nothing we're afraid of just bring a chair um, and find a couple, find a person who can journey with you. Um, we're not afraid of your stuff. We yeah. want to journey with you and we want you to be safe and heal in this place. Yeah. Amen. Come on. And just in line with what Beth just said, some of you are suffering alone. I just felt the Lord doesn't want you to suffer alone anymore. Because here's the deal. There are people that have been through very similar stories that you won't know. Anything that's been shared with me, no one else will hear about. I promise you that much. But knowing some of your stories i know that there's redemption that you're connecting people in this church there will be healing and restoration so know that this is family i, I honestly last night i looked at you guys i thought i feel like this fathery heart towards you and i want what's best for you i want my heart is for what's best for you but i hate seeing people suffer and i hate seeing them suffer alone and i want to say that redemption is here today can you find something even in worship just to pray with each other too as we sing now we just want to sing a song and see healing restoration 